I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. If you really heard that, it'd change everything. If you really heard that, it would change everything. It was 1996, and I was 23 years old, and I was alone in the house that I shared with my roommate. He was out for the evening, and I had hit my rock bottom. Now, a lot of the things that I had done in my life, I brought on myself. Some things had been done to me. Nevertheless, I was at rock bottom. I could fall no further. I was there. And I had a choice to make. And that choice was the loaded 44 that I had pointed at my right temple or letting go of all the wrong things and all the toxic things that I was holding on to. And I told God I would give him 30 days. I'm sure he trembled. (laughs) Not 30 days for God to prove himself while I held on to all my cynicism and all my doubt. And, and, and with one hand, I held on to this and one hand to God. I'll give you 30 days, God. Not that kind of, Lord, I'll give you 30 days. 30 days of holding on to him alone and letting him hold on to me and dumping my lifestyle and everything that was about Roman overboard. Because, see, when I live for myself and when I live for the enemy, when I live for, let's just call it who it is, the devil... When I lived for him, there was no, I'll, I'll let you take me this far, Satan. No, man, when I lived for, for myself, and when I was living for him, there was no stop. It was just full out. And that's the way I've always lived my life. And so when I said, okay, God, I'll give you 30 days, then I meant everything goes overboard. I'll give you 30 days. And, and here's the thing. I'm not putting a stop on it. I give you all of me. 30 days, God. But if it's not as cool as this 44 loaded against my temple, uh, again, I don't think I was threatened. I was at rock bottom. See, storms reveal who we are and what we value, and they also reveal all the things we're holding on to that we need to discard and throw overboard. Let me just say, I hate that story. I hate that that's even a part of my testimony because as Christians, as ministers, we're trained to keep our weaknesses back here and our strengths up here. That's what we do. But you know what? The Bible doesn't do that. All the heroes in the Bible, man, their stuff's just laid out for us. I mean, Abraham is given this promise. And yet, man, he lies, lies about this being his sister instead of his wife. Now, I know, maybe, it's, maybe it is his sister once removed. I don't know how all of it worked. But Moses, great man of God, murderer. David, adulterer, king of Israel, man after God's own heart. Jeremiah the prophet, suicidal. <laughs> We have all these great men of God, and the Bible shows their strengths, and it doesn't hide their weaknesses. 
there's something about a story. There's something about us getting vulnerable. And I had plenty of wrong things that I was still holding on to at 23. And many of us are still holding on to some cargo that we should have cast overboard many years ago. But we're holding on to it. And Paul writes in Acts 27, 18, we were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they begin to throw the cargo overboard. Why would anybody throw their cargo overboard? I mean, if you really think about the story, why? Your cargo is your profit. It's the thing that we believe is going to make us rich financially, emotionally, relationally. It's all our stuff. A cargo ship carries cargo from here to there and at the end of there is a payday that's why you took the trip so to throw your stuff overboard you're throwing your profit overboard why would you do that to discard your cargoes to write off the whole trip as a loss why would anyone do that because the ship was going down it's to lighten the ship and It's a last-ditch effort to stay alive. And when the boat starts sinking, it's time to consider the inventory that we have on board. What stays and what's got to go? See, storms show us what we value. And I've seen some people, myself included, hold on to some pretty ridiculous stuff in the middle of a storm. (laughs) To a toxic lifestyle or a relationship. I've seen people hold on to an addiction, to a grudge, to a secret, to a salary, to a job, to a position, to a title, to a false identity, to hatred, insecurity, pride. We hold on to a lot of things. And storms reveal a lot about our character and what gives us our identity. How we think and how we act and what we worship. What we ultimately put our hope and our trust in. So let me get vulnerable again. I just went bivocational. And so I work part-time here and part-time in a secular job. And in a little bit of a funk and... I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe it's a midlife crisis. I don't know what's going on. My wife asked me not long ago, she said, hey, if if you weren't a minister, would you be okay? And I was like, oh, and she's like, hold up. Would you be okay? And I had to like think about that for a little bit. And I realized, I don't know if I'd be okay. If I don't have that title, it'll be okay. Hmm. When I'm talking about storms, see, I'm not talking about a little thunder and a little lightning. What I'm talking about is the type of storm that causes you to start questioning, who am I really? And why am I here? And what do I really value? Scripture reveals what we should be holding on to as believers. In Deuteronomy 13.4, it says, The Lord your God you shall follow, and him alone you shall fear. 
and his commandments you shall keep, and his voice you shall obey. Him you shall serve, and to him you shall, listen, hold fast. To him you shall hold fast. And Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, we like to be in control, yeah? You like to be in control? Some of us wrestle with it more than others. But most of us come by control naturally enough. You know, if you've lived any life at all, somebody has hurt us, took advantage of us, abused us, used us, threw us away, rejected us, uh, rejected our worth or our identity. And so we vow, my gosh, that's never going to happen again. And we make that vow. And we take that pain and we put it below deck in our cargo hold and we store it for our journey. And we use it like a secret power to draw strength from. And it manifests itself in statements like, well, I'll show them. Or you wait. Or we'll see about that. Or they better not cross me. Or my personal favorite, I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. And all that's fine and good till the storms come and they reveal just how impotent and powerless those words really are. Those words have no anchor. They have no root system. They are empty. It's easy to say, but when the storm comes, they have no staying power. They have no sail. They have no mast. And they can't save us. And our attempts to control everything are rooted in fear. That's why I said, if you really believed... I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. It would change everything. We sing it. Do you know it? Well, I'm not really a person that's, that deals with fear, Roman. I don't really have like a lot of fear. You have no idea what fear is the root of then. Because it's the root of a lot of things. Our identity issues, our rejection issues. All these things that we say, oh, no, I don't really, I don't wrestle with that. But our attempts to control everything are rooted in fear and it's worthless cargo and we need to toss it overboard. I know that's easier said than done. Uh, but in a storm, you begin to realize just how little control you really have. And hear me because I'm not suggesting that we live our lives out of control, but I am promoting a different captain behind the wheel uh, because we stink at being God. I'm no good at it, and the job's already taken. Chair's already filled. Paul goes on to say, and on the third day, with their own hands, they threw the ship's tackle overboard when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest raged. 
all hope of our being saved was lost and abandoned. If you go on later, Paul writes, he's encouraging the crew. He's like, hey, this is going to be okay. Have you seen the storm? You know we're dumping the cargo? Like we're dumping the tackle now. Like that's the sail, the mast, the stuff that's supposed to like keep some control on the ship. We're dumping that over too. Not going well, Paul. All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. In other words, all, our, all, all their attempts to save themselves weren't working. Nothing on board that ship or even the ship itself was going to be able to save them in the storm. They needed a miracle. They needed something outside the ship, outside the cargo, outside the tackle. They needed something outside the crew to save them. This thing's going down. All hope is lost of being saved. And, and This is what AA or Celebrate Recovery would call step one. We admitted we were powerless over our storm. You fill in the blank. Alcohol, drugs, toxic relationships. We admitted we were powerless over our storm and that our lives had become unmanageable. That's a great first step. Or as Paul would put it, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. In other words, not that I wasn't going to be saved or that I was going to be abandoned. I just realized I wasn't going to save myself. I'm not going to be the cure. We have lost hope that this ship or anything on it is capable of saving us in this storm. If God doesn't intervene, all is lost. Now, listen to me because the bottom line is that the barrier to true faith is misplaced value. Let me say that again. The barrier to true faith is misplaced value. Oftentimes we place our faith in everything but Jesus. And I wonder if it's because we know he's outside of our control. I can't control God. And it was certainly the case of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. In John eleven forty seven through 48, it says, So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council. Beware when the meeting of the council is called. You've upset us, Jesus. What are we to do? This man is performing many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. That would be horrible. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. Do you see it? The religious leaders had misplaced their value. They were putting their value in their holy place and their nation. If we don't get rid of this guy... The Romans are going to come and we might lose our holy place, our temple, and we might lose our nation. We got to get rid of this guy. So they keep that cargo while throwing Messiah overboard, holding on to the wrong things. What are you holding on to? What are you letting go of? See, they had a vested 
interest in a system that they were afraid of losing. If the people believe in Jesus as Messiah, they fear that the Romans would intervene and that they would lose their power and their comfortable living through controlling the temple. Ironically, though, by killing the Messiah, the very storm that they feared came on the nation as God's judgment through a man named Titus who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in AD 70. So here's the thing. Jesus was the storm. It was coming. It was inevitable. You cast the wrong cargo overboard. When I say you, when I'm saying... it. it This isn't anti-Semitism. This isn't, hey, Jews, hey, religious leaders. It's, hey, Roman, you threw the wrong thing overboard, son. What are you holding on to? You going to hold on to this stuff and throw me overboard? I'm what the story's about. So I want to end with an illustration because sometimes the picture is worth a thousand words. Jesus addressed his disciples In John 16, 7, by saying, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's to your advantage that I go away. King Jesus? It's advantage, Miles, that I go away. It's to your advantage. To rock that I go away. Brian, it's to your advantage that I go. (laughs) Hold up. You're the king. How is it to my advantage that you go away? Cuckoo. Peter even's like, ah, I rebuke you, Jesus. And he's like, you're an offense. Get back here. Stand behind me. You know, this is where you belong. Okay, so... But he says, I'm going to send an advocate. What's that advocate's name? The Holy Spirit, also known as the Comforter. Now, more on that in a minute. John 20, 24 through 29, it says, this is where we see Thomas. This is Jesus, just to paraphrase this passage, Jesus has returned. He is back. And the disciples go, he's back. Like he's done everything he was supposed to do and he's back. I mean, we... We kind of understood, man, he had this different plan, but now he's back. And Thomas, Doubting Thomas, there's your nickname. That's the one you want. That's the disciple you want to be. I'm Doubting Thomas. And so he goes, they they tell him, hey, Jesus is back. And he says, really? Resurrection? I'll believe it when I see his hands and his side. And so Jesus shows back up about a week later, and he goes, hey, Thomas. Go ahead. Go ahead, Thomas. Go ahead. And Thomas says an amazing thing. My Lord, my God. Well, I guess. He's standing right there. And Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, I want to demonstrate something, okay? Because storms are dark and they're scary and it's hard to see in the middle of a storm. My wife and I were driving back from Oklahoma one time and got caught in a storm and we're listening to the weather and like there were like three tornadoes and we were like on the interstate and there was like they were just all around 
down the interstate and the rain was coming and it was like so hard, I the windshield wipers weren't keeping up. And my wife was like, we got to pull over. I'm like, and die? We're getting through this, baby. Let's go. Floor it. You know, I'm like, I'm not sitting here and waiting for the wind to come and blow me off the road. And, but you couldn't see anything. And that's the way a storm is. It's dark. I'm not talking, like I said earlier, about a little thunder and lightning. I'm talking about a storm is coming. And storms are the place where we want to see Jesus the most. And we want to be at the, the most at peace. Yet storms are where we may see Jesus the least and we may feel chaos the most. This is my illustration of misplaced faith. Faith is not what we can see and touch by its very definition. That's why we so often hold on to what's in front of us, to what we can see and what we can control. This music stand it's right here in front of me. I can control it. Now, if I'm in the middle of a storm, this music stand has no anchor. It's pretty worthless to hold on to this music stand. But by gosh, it's in front of me. I can control this music stand. Take it wherever I want to go. This is my music stand. It's mine. Here comes a storm. Hold on. Well, that didn't work out so well. It has no anchor. There's nothing there. This is pretty worthless. Yeah, it is. It's about as worthless as our addictions. It's about as worthless as our grudges, our secrets, our salaries, our positions, and our titles. Not very stable. Not going to hold me in a storm. Here, take so in the first service, I had my son Josiah come up and do this. Now I'm going to have my son Tank come up and do this. So go over there. Now, Tank and I are in a relationship. He is like a son to me. Not just a mentoring relationship. It's reciprocal. We trust each other. We share things with each other. I love Tank. I trust him. He trusts me. Standing right in front of you, Tank. Now, I want you to fall backwards and I'm going to catch you. <laughs> I thought he trusted me. Oh my gosh. Now, here's the thing. Now, come here. Now, can you see me? Do you trust me? You love me? Fall back. Thank you. Now, here's what I mean. We say, if I can believe it, if I can see it, I believe it. Man, if I could see the nail scars, if I could, I mean, I know God, I know all this stuff, but it's like I got I to gotta have something I can see and I got to have something I can put my. Here's what Jesus said. It's better that I go. Why? Because like Tank, I love him to death, but as long as he's standing right here, as long as I'm standing in front of him, will he ever fall backwards? No. Why? Because we don't trust our eyes. We say, if I can, if I can see it, I'll believe it. No, you won't. 
Because that's exactly what the people did when Jesus, remember he walked the earth and he performed miracles and he did all these great signs and wonders and hey, not everybody followed him. Hmm, imagine that. And the religious leaders tried to kill him. Wait, I thought seeing was believing. If that's true, then all of us should be worshiping David Blaine and Chris Angel. We see them do stuff. I just saw, I just saw Chris Angel walk through glass. Oh, Messiah. No, I don't because I don't believe my eyes. I'm like, that. Ah, it's a trick. It's a magic trick. Now, I'm not discounting Jesus' miracles. What I'm saying is he said, it's better that I go. Because then I'll send the comforter. What do you need in a storm? Comfort. Why? Because I can't see. I'm right behind you, son. Fall back. My faith's actually increased when I can't see. I know he's behind me. It's at that point when I can't see him that I know he has my back the most. Because I can't trust these eyes. And so, our next step in, as we leave today is evaluate your cargo. What are you putting your trust in? This? This in a storm? Or the fact that God, His complete power, all that we need, his Holy Spirit is standing right behind me. He's got me. Do I cast that overboard? Or this overboard? His bottom line, Jesus did not promise us prosperity and all these, more than I could have and all, all, all this stuff. What he promised me was, was there'll be good times, there'll be bad times. There's going to be a lot of suffering. In this world, you will have sorrow. Don't be troubled. I've overcome the world. I'm with you. 